The following is brought to you with no commercial interruptions. Listen up. Well, I was going to ask you too, not that I have any like rants planned or anything like that, but is there any, do you want it to stay? I'm sure you don't care if it gets political, obviously, but like you want it to be toned down to a certain point or do you care or, or what do you, what's, oh, what's hell you, no. what you okay. <laughs> I just want I want, I'm pretty sure you and I have the same political leanings, so that's not that's not the issue. I just didn't want to know if you, if you wanted to drop enough. No, yeah. Again, not that I'm planning on doing it, but um, you never know if we start getting on a topic that no, you know. Yeah. So I don't want to scare listeners off. I guess. No, yeah, I, th- I think I'll uh, I'll drop some content warnings in the beginning of a couple episodes, saying that if you're a racist <laughs> and a Nazi, it might be uh, offensive <laughs> to you to listen to these. Yeah, I guess. I, yeah, I don't. I don't want to. Well, fuck that. I want to. I do. I want to offend the Nazis. So screw them. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Welcome to season two, episode six of the Better Band Podcast, an all-encompassing trip through the Pearl Jam catalog. I am your host, Brandon Palomo. Each episode, my guests and I go track by track through every album, soundtrack, and single to discover why you simply can't find a better band. Welcome back, everyone. Today on the Better Band Podcast, I have Matt Massey with me talking about the song WMA. Hello, Matt. Hey, Brandon. How are you doing? Good. And I said your last name right, right? You did. Okay. Two for two. (laughs) Damn it. Okay. I'm definitely (laughs) editing this stuff out. Um, So, yes. Okay. No. Still. Oh, shh. Hmm. How to start, how to start, how to start. Um, what <laughs> is there some place you'd like to start with this song? Um, sure. Uh, yeah, like we were discussing previously, um, I guess we can dive right into it. This, this is, uh, where our beloved Pearl Jam, uh, gets political or starts getting political on, on this record, at least. Uh, yeah, they kind of went a different route with the with the music as well and i remember uh getting verses and you know as an idiot teenager i kind of looked past the song at first just because it was you know the, the drum line drum loop and all that was you know not not the usual alternative rock you know guitar drums bass singer just rocking out type thing so it wasn't initially my cup of tea um but then i i, I grew to love it and now you know in my adult years, I, I really love the song. And actually, you know, this, the week leading up to you and I talking about this uh, song, I've been listening to a lot, you know, driving on the way home. And I'm like, man, this, this is a kick-ass song. So just musically itself, but then, you know, the, the heaviness of the lyrics as well is part of, to me, what makes Pearl Jam awesome. The, the fact that they, they're not afraid to put their beliefs out there and um, this is where it all started this and a couple of our songs on verses where they they kind of weren't holding back anymore compared to like 10 you know 10 was pretty straightforward not really too political at all really um, like we were talking about earlier you know even flow's got you know some of that but it's not really easy to just decipher um unless you're really really delving into the lyrics um 
so I, th I think this, in a lot of ways, verses marked a big change in the band. But you know, this song specifically, kind of, in my opinion, um, paved the way for a lot, a lot of, of future political songs and even musically songs. You know, when especially when Jack joined the band, obviously the comparison between the drums in WMA and the drums in you know in my tree or who you are and songs like that it kind of paved the way for them to be a little bit more i don't know if i don't know if adventurous is the right word but experimental whatever you want to say but they kind of get out of their comfort zone which i think any band that does that it makes them a better band by by doing that so i guess we could also say that the wma of course stands for white male american and uh, it's uh, a lyric in the song. Right. Uh, this song was also debuted at the Slims show in San Francisco, where they uh, busted out a bunch of the other Versus songs before the record was released. And it's only, it hasn't been played all that much right. live. It's mostly uh, a, a tag at the end of Daughter now. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Like I said in the, in the Daughter episode, when I uh, made my own mixtape of... Uh, 10 and verses just so that I could have it all in one cassette tape so that I wouldn't have to switch CDs or anything like that. I mixed up the songs and put them in different orders and I put WMA right after daughter because they just had something. I, I could just feel something that they blended real good together leading into each other. Well, I remember, I mean, the I'm trying to think now what it was from, but uh, maybe I'm wrong. I was going to say, because the famous initial daughter tag was another brick in the wall. And I thought for a minute that they did WMA with that, but I think mm -hmm. I'm wrong because they played, I have it written down. They played the full version of WMA in, the, in that concert. Cause that's from, that was the Atlanta concert, right? Or am I completely making that up? Like Atlanta 94. Yeah. The uh, Atlanta third, 1994 at the Fox theater in uh, Georgia. Yeah. That's, that's, that's that's like the, another brick in the wall of, off of daughter right that's from that that show or at least yeah, like in the midnight um i i don't remember off the top of my head but they did play wma right. in full yeah, yeah. on that i just remember in the early mid 90s that was like the first big daughter tag that i remember being like oh it's so cool that they you know they are doing our song on after daughter and blending it together and then they started later on doing wma as well um yeah i actually looked i was looking on uh pj stat tracker just curious I'm like, how many times if i i know i saw i've seen it once full um i think the other four times i saw it were all tags so mm -hmm. consider myself lucky to have seen it the full version of it though yeah definitely um let see yeah there's um a drum sample i guess of uh of uh dave played this uh Played two measures of a drum track, and they just looped it throughout. And Jeff listened to it and was like, "Okay, yeah, I'll play this bass." And uh, sort of he held it and was like, "Okay, we want the same thing to go through the whole thing, and then everybody else can kind of weave in and out and experiment to it." The the song mainly is is there to yeah. uh, the composition of those two, and then with uh, Mike playing some noise and stuff like that, and he's messing around with the Evo and Juan playing solos.
Stone is playing a, uh, a riff that's kind of similar to the Brad song 20th Century on it as well. I'll tell you, you know, you saying the the guitars weaving in and out is like the perfect description. I was trying to, I was listening to it before before we got together here tonight, and I was trying to find an adjective or description for how the guitars are, and that's actually because you know, like you said, Jeff and Dave are just kind of like the foundation where they're same thing throughout the whole song. But you're that's you nailed it by saying that they're i'm assuming it's mike for mostly kind of weaving in and out and kind of having it's it, that's exactly what it sounds like it's just very uh it's like a controlled controlled rage type of thing where it feels like it's about to combust but it's just kind of going in and out and not quite ever exploding until well, a couple of parts it seems like it does but it's a uh in my opinion it's a it's a super just musically Obviously, the lyrics are tense too, but the, the musically, it's it's a super tense song. Just it it just yeah. feels like it's about to blow, which I think is awesome. Yeah, tense is a good way. I the 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 adjective I had to come up with in describing it was uh, it just felt anxious. There, yeah, and a little unsettling. Yeah, exactly. And I, yeah, because it it comes out of left field. I think as far as Pearl Jam's catalog at that point and then also in this point at this midpoint in the album too yeah it it really just sort of throws you for a loop you're like whoa what is this what's going on and i think compared and paired up with the lyrics too it it yeah. kind of jolts you and is sort of like okay this is something i have to pay attention to this is something that's real you know important this is something that means something and i was gonna say too even how eddie's delivery of the lyrics too like especially the begin the beginning you know he he won the lottery just how he sings the first few lines in the verses are mm-hmm. like haunting and then as the song goes on you know when he starts singing uh police stop my brother again sings it it just gets more aggressive and it's complete you can tell he's pissed off about it and i actually i've read it before but i read it again today about an interview with him about this song where he said he'd been in the studio for a couple days or whatever and hadn't really showered or whatever and he looked he looked you know like garbage or whatever and he was leaving the studio and there was you know he he and a, a black gentleman were was walking by him or something like that and cop walked right by Eddie and started hassling him and he Eddie got super pissed off about it and you know shortly thereafter went to the studio and recorded the vocals because they kind of had the had the music going already you can tell I mean you can tell that it's vintage angry Ed in the 90s and he's and it's I was just listening to it on my headphones before we recorded today and it's just like man that like I would kill to see them live with 
with that and that's not this isn't knocking eddie at all it's just it's a, it's a simple fact of life where everyone gets older and all that stuff it's just <laughs> yeah, man when you hear early 90s eddie especially pissed off early 90s eddie it's just like man no how can anyone not love this band <laughs> yeah if, the, if you were to see that show now you'd like uh, maybe if they started like uh, maybe three o'clock and then they play and I'm able to go out and have some uh, dinner afterwards and make sure I'm, uh, you know, home and in bed by nine o'clock and oh, it'd just be, it'd just be great. It'd be a perfect little day. Because <laughs> right. uh, I don't want to stay out late. Oh, man. Exactly. <laughs> it's depressing. Uh, you get to that, that point where it's like, oh, man. Just just staying up, you wake up and it feels like you had a hangover, even though you didn't drink anything. It's like, oh man, if I don't get enough sleep, what the hell's going on? Dude, that's that's that is the worst. <laughs> that, I mean, I was like, I, I always, I might, well, I might as well have drank. So that's not <laughs> always a good thing either. Because then, like, you know, the next next night rolls around, like, oh, just, I'm gonna feel the same anyways. Might as well drink. Yeah. <laughs> um. So this song, um, in the liner notes of the album it um is sort of a memorial i guess you could say to malice green who um oh man i thought i wrote where he was from right uh oh i forgot to hold on we suck (laughs) (laughs) no because i could just look it up and then edit it in (laughs) when i'm doing it oh oh okay in detroit okay okay so you know what that that makes me like the worst. That's on you. Because, well, <laughs> I recently moved, so I'm in the Chicago area now. But you know, I was born and raised for 40 years. I lived in Southeast Michigan, so oh okay. I'm an idiot for not knowing that. So <laughs> yeah, that's uh, I'm I'm disappointed in myself. Okay, so we'll 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 edit that and make sure it's like oh yeah, I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> so the liner notes for this song is sort of like a memorial to Malice Green, who uh, was in Detroit and was basically killed by police officers on the uh, liner notes. It has a newspaper clipping. It looks like that says uh, autopsy results showed Green died of at least 14 blows to the head in a November 5th beating that tore off part part of his scalp. And this, of course, was just months after the uh, L.A. riots from uh like april right. or so of 92 and uh also there's like uh it's written uh to unnerve and convict instead of uh to protect and serve or the uh policeman's credo right. motto i don't know but um there's also been uh, songs by wesley okay. willis called larry nevers walter budzin and also an insane clown insane clown posse song wagon wagon that are also written about right. uh malice green yeah, and ICP's from Detroit as well, which not that I'm a fan of theirs, but that is that is originally where I'm from, the Detroit area, so I know know them quite well. Yeah, and basically it was uh he uh Malice Green was uh police were going by this place where they knew a bunch of uh people who did or sold drugs or something like that were and they saw him outside of a car or something and he they were talking to him or, you know, something, I don't know, but he, they alleged that he then got some, a crack vial or something like that out of, uh, out of his glove compartment. So then of, then I'm saying this in complete, uh, 
sarcastic uh, <laughs> mode, but you know, of course, that's uh, you know reason to uh, to kill somebody. You know, just because right. they have right. some uh, some drugs on them, right? <laughs> yeah, and also it's a good. You know, I'll lay some sarcasm on you right back at you. It's, you know, it's it's great that we uh, got past all of this uh, bullshit, and this stuff doesn't happen anymore, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean yeah. that's that's the you know it's that's the sad thing about you know recently on one of the other podcasts they were talking about uh self-pollution radio Mm -hmm. and some of the political things that eddie brought up and the rest of the band brought up and it's just like man so that was 20 whatever almost 30 years ago and not only is any none of this stuff you know done and over with it seems like the majority of this stuff is worse and it's just it's depressing mm-hmm. it's, it really is depressing when you know you're living in the moment you don't really think about that part of it you're just like oh yeah you know the things are awful but then you kind of stop and think okay when i was you know whatever when i was in high school when self-pollution radio happened my favorite band talking about these types of issues and now i'm you know 40 and i have a i have a kid and stuff's still happening even worse. And it seems like people are jumping on board and more okay with it than ever. And it's just, uh, it's, it's very disheartening. You don't know what, I don't know how, how to act as far as, I don't know, trying to, you know, activism or trying to just, you don't want to ignore it, but kind of just try and live your life the best you can or what you're supposed to do. It's, it's a very, uh, it's a very heavy time for sure and it just seems like it keeps getting heavier well i think that um one thing to take into consideration is that i think you know the people who have listened to pearl jam and you know who opened up their cds or albums and take a look at the liner notes and just dissect them and study them and stuff you know if you weren't in the detroit area you probably weren't aware that this happened at all and I, I think as time's gone by, especially as evidenced in the Black Lives Matter movement, is that everybody is a lot more aware yeah. of this. And I think it's easier to let this stuff slide when you're not as aware of it, because, you know, you can completely claim ignorance on it and be like, oh, I don't know about any of this stuff. I don't right. know anything about, you know, white privilege or about systematic racism. And that sort of stuff you can you know you it's you can't claim ignorance on that anymore and it's more out there and so you everybody is going to have to be forced to act on it and to tackle it in some way and not just let it slide and get away because it's awful horrible stuff that makes you uncomfortable and that you know you you can't let it sit in your shoe and rattle around in there as you're you know trying to walk through life right. it's 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 bugging you and you gotta you gotta get it out of there and you're absolutely right the social media and, and, and media in general definitely shine a light on it a hundred thousand times more than they used to but that's the you know i don't even want to say frustrating thing the infuriating thing about it is just the sheer inactivity of our supposed leaders and i'm not even talking about well, I'm solely talking about Trump or Republicans or whatever. <laughs> I'm talking about, you know, Democrats too. They, I mean, independents, everybody, mm-hmm. our whole entire government. 
I'll be, I'll be candid. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say as liberal as they come, but I'm pretty damn liberal. Uh, so that's, that's where my leanings are, but I'm pretty disgusted with the, the inactiveness of the democratic party right now too. So I don't know, something has to change. I don't know what it is. I think the, the biggest thing that would help things in that regard, as far as people actually making a difference when we get them into office or vote them into office is to have more than a two-party system but i don't think that's ever going to happen realistically like or or not realistically but legitimately having a minimum of three candidates to vote for that could legitimately win an election you know if any of the candidates for next year decided i'm just going to run a full-blown independent they're not going to they're they will not win and it's because it's Democrat or Republican, like it always has been. It's frustrating. But I think one good, one heartening thing, though, taking all that out of it, is seeing all the peaceful protesting that's happened. Because, you know, trying to, the people, us trying to use our voices, you know, mm-hmm. and not, you know, not in a violent way, but in a peaceful way, but stand up and, and stand up for what we believe in. So all that you know, is something good that's been happening out of it. It's just, it's, there needs to come a time where our, where our elected officials that are supposed to be working for us, listen, and hopefully that time's coming, but, but we'll see. Yeah. I think that change usually happens when one of two conditions are met, either you have just had enough and you've hit rock bottom and you basically have to change because that's the only way you're going to survive. You know, it's, it's sort of right. in uh, AA circles and stuff, you know, you, you hear, you know, you've got to hit rock bottom because otherwise you're just going to be like, ah, no, I think I'm fine. You know, it's like, ah, that was just, you know, one bad day or something. I got this under control. I just get out of hand every once in a while. It's not that big of a problem. You know, if, if it's absolutely right. do or die, you're either going to die or you're going to do. And the other way that people change, I think is if they, it it, is, is in another act of self-preservation when they're forced with being pushed out of their uh, communities and their, uh, their social groups because of it. I'm thinking about the, um, the Superman radio shows that they used to have in the, 30s or 40s something like that where um one of the writers for the superman radio show learned some ku klux klan uh code words and stuff like that and then wrote about superman fighting the klan and made it seem let let people see how stupid and silly it was with all of their weird customs and code words and stuff oh, like that right. And then, right, like Grand Wizard and all that, yeah, bullshit. and how you know you put coal at the beginning of words and stuff like that, and you know all that sort of stuff, right? And people were like, you know what? Everybody's laughing at us. We probably should, you know, cool it because you know what? This isn't <laughs> as fun as we thought. This is stupid, and this is juvenile, and you know. And, and right. you know, maybe they didn't stop being racists, but, you know, at least they stopped, uh, you know, do, being out there and showing people that it was okay to think and to do and believe these things. 
and you know provide less of an inspiration to to follow in their footsteps right and that's what we were talking about like earlier with with things eddie was saying that are still happening today but like what you just talked about now all of a sudden it's okay to be openly racist it's not of course but people the racists think that it is and they have this you know free pass to kind of to fucking march march with tiki torches and say all these you know racial slurs and it's that that's the the really disturbing thing to me is you know not of course the issue is racist people period but man they're emboldened now to where they think that it's acceptable to do that and again like i said the good thing is seeing all the counter protests that have like just hugely outnumbered the racist people since since the charlottesville tragedy happened like ever since then anytime they tried to organize anything it's like you know 12 nazis show up and like you know 1200 counter protesters usually way more than that but you know they're they're outnumbering them by hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of of people per their one per their one racist so that's the one good thing that i see happening but it just it's uh, it just makes me i shake my head um at how many my my big thing, and I take the, I take this kind of swing it back to Pearl Jam a little bit, but like Eddie once saying about you know some people say Pearl Jam's re- religion, you know we only have one commandment: don't be an asshole. That's uh, that's kind of my philosophy. I don't really <laughs> care like mm-hmm. what gender, or what what you identify as, your race, and all like that. Just just don't be an asshole, and then we'll be good. That's kind of my philosophy too. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, that's not usually the prevailing mindset so i don't know this song has also followed in the footsteps of some of their older songs that they've had they've kind of played it a little bit differently a couple of times after it's uh gone away for a little bit um i was searching in my the bootlegs i have i was like oh hey i have one of those versions from uh june 25th of 2008 at that show that's that's the one full version that i saw oh okay so was it (laughs) do you wish that it was the original one then then the kind of uh, mess around one well you know at when i was there and i saw it i didn't care because that was like one song that i never thought i would ever see in full live because they kind of just I think up until mm-hmm. that year, I think it was 08, up until then, like the previous something like 12 years or something like that, they hadn't played it aside from being a tag. So I figured that they were yeah. probably, they kind of just shelved that one and weren't going to play it again. Um, so, you know, at the time, 
I didn't care. It's, it's, it was, sounded awesome. And I, and I listened back to it this week and today, too, and it still sounds good. But my, in my opinion, just musically, the drums and the bass line are, are what make the song. Say we said earlier about it being a foundation. And, mm-hmm. you know, aside from the very beginning when Ed, Eddie's, I think it's Eddie, starts uh, with the acoustic guitar in the first verse, which, which, is, which is a cool little change, but then the drums kick in after that. But they never mm. kick in like they do on the studio version or did when they played it in the early 90s. So, I mean, it's, it's still cool, but but I listened to tonight, I listened to that, the Atlanta 94 version where they play it proper like the album. And aside from Eddie kind of duetting with, uh, I can't remember what the guy's name, mm-hmm. he was from the band X, something like that. I'm not, I didn't dig his voice that that much, so I'd prefer Eddie singing the whole thing. But the actual music, though, yeah, it sounded a lot closer to the album. Just sounded a lot a lot fuller than the the recent versions. Um, they're both cool. It's always cool to hear a little bit different version. But if you're just comparing them and being picky, then I I vastly prefer the the, the studio type version. Yeah, I think the the different version it sounds a lot more like a sort of protest sing-along folk song than the original yeah because right. like i was saying like yeah. the the original you know it feels you know you just get tense listening to it and you're kind of like ah and this one is more sort of like a hey everybody come on let's let's get up let's let's do something and there's a lot of people singing along in it too and it just right it 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 like almost feels like a completely different song, at least um, just energy wise. Well, in that in that New York version too, the 08 version, because I remember at the show, I can't remember who they were, but they had like they had like three. I don't know if they're choir singers or this so three backup singers that came on for a few songs. Like they they did like the back yeah. vocals of like during all night. They came on and did uh, WMA. And I don't know, it was fine. I mean, all night was awesome because they, they, you know, he needs that because he layers his voice. Eddie layers his voice in the studio version, but they were kind of like doing the callback where Eddie was, you know, saying all my pieces set me free, and then they were repeating it at the end. It was fine. It was cool when I, when I was there, but listening back to it, it's just like, eh, it's a little not needed in my opinion. I don't know. It's I'm I'm the same a lot of times. The same way with with like Boom. Like I don't <laughs> I don't mind Boom at all, but like I don't like Crazy Mary for instance. I I can't stand having an organ on Crazy Mary. Like the organ solos. Excuse me, the solos. Like I don't mind the organ. It fits obviously. It's it's there in the original song, but like when Mike and him do the dueling solos, I'm just like. Ah. I just, just go back to the original way. <laughs> <laughs> I do like boom. I love vocab and I like, you know, I, I like, there's kind of a place for all that is, is, is where I'm getting at. So, yeah. And sort of like the, in the time that it takes, you know, to play that one whole song, you could have played like three songs. 
you just jam it in there. It's like, you can fit in three other songs right. in there, right? Stuff that, you know, might be kind of cool to hear every once in a right. while. And it's cool when when they do jam, too. It's just, you know, the, what is it, the, the B3 organ? Is that what, what Boom plays? Yeah. I don't know if I need to hear any B3 organ solos. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Boom. Sorry, if you ever listen to this, Boom, sorry. I still love you, but... <laughs> Um, is there anything else that, uh, we have to, to cover about this song that's not completely, uh, <laughs> depressing or? Yeah, I know, I know. I was like, man, this is a heavy oh, episode. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I, like I, like I said earlier, it's just, it's one of those songs where being a, being an idiot teenager when I first heard it, I, it, it didn't click at first because I just wanted to rock and wanted to hear nor- quote unquote normal alternative songs or alternative rock. And then mm-hmm. I started getting into it in my adult life kind of really getting into it and really getting behind the meaning of it and why it was written it's a jam i mean it it's it's like we said it's tense it's if like you said earlier it feels like important and something that you need to stop and listen to and that's kind of rare with rock bands to have and pearl jam has quite a few of those so uh i don't know it's just a great song and it's weird too, because uh, I was listening to it with my headphones earlier, and I've I've heard it before. But at the very end, when it's fading out, and they're yelling out, you know, hey, 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 and then like someone laughs. I'm like, it's so out of place for this song, but it, it's it's in there though. It, it always made me laugh because it's like, especially as an adult, because it's like this heavy song, this tense song, um, intensity, <laughs> and then all of a sudden there's like whoever it was is at the end is laughs or something for at whatever who knows what they were laughing at but it's kind of a little bit of levity in the song too so if you're if you're kind of i don't know if you're standing there in a in a vocal booth and you're kind of doing all the singing by yourself and everybody's just kind of standing around looking at you that's you know if you think about it it does seem kind of ridiculous and just yeah you just kind of look around people are staring at you I'll tell you what, though, like, as with most people, like, that love bands as much as we love this band, but it's, like, behind the scenes and backstage type stuff is, like, the best things that we want to see. I would kill to be able to have, like, recordings. We'll never see this, of course. Like, tape of them actually recording the albums. That would just Mm -hmm. be, like, the number one thing I would want. That would be so awesome to see, like, the versus recordings, them recording this song or whatever. But obviously that that we'll never see if it's even exists, it'll never see the light of day, but that stuff is, is always so cool to me. I think uh, single video theory is the uh, closest we yeah. can get to that. Which is awesome. I, I freaking love that. So oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like hear, hearing them banter back and forth about how to, you know, when, what was it? It was like when Wishlist, when Stone couldn't get to the Ebo, and they're kind of like going back and forth. And he's like, I can get to the Ebo, but you, but you can't? Okay. <laughs> yeah, <that's- laughs> Wow, they're real people. They're real dudes too. They don't just like wake up and write fantastic albums. They actually have to work at them too. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, there was also some lyrical things, at least that I just uh, saw here. In my notes is like, oh crap, yeah, I want to say that. Um, train like dogs, color and smell, uh, kind of brings an allusion to the uh, German Shepherd civil rights dogs, at least to me. Right. And uh, of course, Jesus greets me. Looks just like me. Because Jesus was white. Right. That's what we were told. <laughs> and and um, do, do you have an interpretation of the uh, all my pieces set me free, human devices set me free? 
I think that's a that's a sort of something that a lot of people have talked about. Sort of like what is what does that mean? I I don't I don't know if I have a definitive opinion on on what it means. What what do you think? Um, I sort of get from it a sort of sense of just being annihilated. You know, I mean, um, Malice Green in particular. I know the song isn't about him, but just sort of being, you know, beaten to death or just being beaten by the world and being broken up into just tiny pieces, you know, and death being your only release, death being the only way that you can be free from, right? you know, the racist society or, you know, just, just persecution. And, but that, that sort of being the only way that you can get out of, out of all this. Right. Yeah. Human devices for sure. I totally agree with you on that. All my pieces though, all my pieces set me free. I'm just, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a very, uh, Eddie Vedder, early '90s, uh, Sky's lyric, which he's so so great at doing. You know, it means something important, but sometimes you can't really put your finger on what exactly it means. It's a it's a mystery for the ages. I, you know, lyrically, just the first he won the lottery when he was born, took his mother's white breast to his tongue. Like that is is powerful to me. I mean, myself being a white male American, yeah, and it's not lost on me the. The privilege that I was born with because of that, but it's just, it's, again, you don't really usually hear bands, especially mainstream bands, step on, on a ledge and even present that type of thought or, or lyric. So it's just, it's very unique to Pearl Jam, in my opinion. But it's just a powerful, powerful uh, couple lines to, to hit you right in the face yeah. when you, right after that, you know, opening of the, the drum loop. Is there anything that you like you think people should check out or do you have any plugs of stuff? No, no plugs for me. No, nothing. I don't, I'm on Twitter, but I don't really care. I like hundred followers, so it's not a big deal. Okay. <laughs> That's all right. Any, any, any good snacks people need to uh, be on the lookout for, or uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, snacks. No, nothing new offhand that no one would know about. Um, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm a, I'm a convert, converted, recently converted Detroiter to Chicagoan. Is that how they say it here? <laughs> um, so I'm myself trying to figure out the local stuff here and the local places to go and eat or have a beer or, or whatever. So I'm trying to figure that out right now. So have you had a a deep dish pizza yet? Uh, yeah, or Chicago we, we, dog. I haven't had a Chicago. I mean, I've had one before in my life, but I haven't had one. Oh, okay. Since I've been, you know, I've been to Chicago a bunch since it's close to Detroit. But uh, yeah, we've had we've tried a couple of the deep dish places out. They've they've been good so far. Um, just had an old style beer, which is, from what I gather, is a it's not like a hipster like PBR. It's just kind of like an old man mm. beer. So that's what, and that's what, that's what it tastes like too. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for coming back, Matt. And probably talk to you again later, or if you don't feel like it, then that's okay too. No, oh, I've, I've both times I've had a lot of fun doing this. Even this one's been a, a heavier episode, but it's it's been a good, <laughs> good discussion though, for sure. I mean, ne- uh, next time I'll take I'll uh, let me see. Let's do bugs next time. Of course, that, that can be kind of heavy too, though. Let's do I Davinita. It's uh, instrumental. It can't be that heavy, can it? 
<laughs> oh, oh no. You know what? I, I think I do need somebody for that episode too. So maybe hey, I'll, I'll have to check my list. All right. I'm up for it. Thanks again. I don't know if that's how I'll end it, but <laughs> I'll edit something together. Thank you, Brandon. Appreciate it. The Bitter Band Podcast is produced by ListenUpReno.com and Brandon Palomo and published using a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 license. Please visit creativecommons.org or email listenupreno at gmail.com for more details. All music played is owned by the respective publishers and copyright holders and is reproduced for review purposes only under fair use. You can subscribe to the Better Band Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or from shoutengine.com slash the Better Band Podcast using your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ListenUpReno. I'm on Twitter at Brandon P. Brand E-N-P. If you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, send an email to betterbandpod at gmail.com or send in any insights and stories you'd like to share, and I'll read them on the season finale episode. Again, I'd like to thank my guest, Matt, and as always, this is Brandon saying, I'm actor Troy McClure. You might remember me from such TV series as Buck Henderson Union Buster and Troy and Company Summertime Smile Factory.